It is the 200 level episode 127 for Boo. It's Halloween. I guess the other title we could have if Illinois happens to lose this game would be You Only Lose Twice in honor of Sean Connery. I actually put up a poll on Twitter asking if that was in good taste uh, or not. And it seemed like most people understood that was a tribute to the original James Bond and an acting legend. But we're sitting here right at the start of the third quarter. Mike Carpenter, you know me. We got Isaac Ambrose, Trevor Valise, and Harry Black coming in momentarily into our Zoom room. Let's see if we can't get them here. Uh, Trevor, I'm going to get you going right about... There you are. Hello. Hello. All right, so we got Trevor on the horn here. And Trevor, uh, if you were to describe that first half... I'd say. In well, a- I thought we were talking James Bond. <laughs> well, let's start with that. Actually, your favorite uh, Sean Connery James Bond, and then secondly, one word to describe the first half. Uh, favorite Sean Connery James Bond is Goldfinger. Naturally, uh, word to describe the first half would be. Um, I'm going to say maybe with a question mark. Maybe. Okay. Okay. I'll go with uneven. I, I, you know, it, it, yeah, that sounds about right. It just, it was weird. I, I don't, I don't feel great because I still feel like Purdue can get what they want when they need to get it. But, uh, you know, you do have to factor in and, and you talked about it on Twitter and I do agree. We have to be wary how much we're factoring in the COVID absences because the entire defense remains completely unaffected and they still don't look good. But you do have to somewhat factor in that your fourth string quarterback who's never seen a college football field before is playing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, when you factor that in and how uh, Karan Taylor, and it is Karan, right? Not Karan, Karan. I think. Between that and Milo, Milo Eifler, I I know I might, you know, (laughs) bludgeon some names here, but uneven is the word that I went with for him and also just the team in general. You mentioned the defense. Now, so far on the season, I believe that there are two total incompletions on this defense. And one of them that we saw at the end of that first half was pretty much an overthrow that Purdue was not able to reel in. But that is the concern, right? Purdue gets the ball to start the second half, and we welcome in Isaac Ambrose. Hello, Isaac. Hey, guys. How we doing? Well, you know, we're doing – we could be doing worse. We have a second half to actually talk about, and I'm hoping that it maintains our interest for all 30 minutes of game time. You know what I like about these Purdue-Illinois games too, guys? And if you remember last year, that game ended in less than three hours. It was a very short game at Purdue, maybe because the run game was so predominant, but that game was about two hours and 50 minutes. I love fast college football games as Purdue gets a 20-yard completion to start their third quarter. There we go. Isaac, I I asked Trevor this. I'll ask you the same thing. Two things. First one would be your favorite Sean Connery, James Bond movie, or maybe just your favorite Sean Connery movie in general. And then the second one would be one word to describe the first half for the Illini. Okay, my favorite Sean Connery movie, let's see. Can't say I've seen many, but um, he, he's Indiana. He's an Indiana Jones, right? In, in The Last Crusade, a great Indiana yeah. Jones movie. I, I could go with that. Uh, that yeah, that, that's probably going to be mine just because I grew up watching those movies with my dad, I guess. So there's kind of like some nostalgia feel there. But um, And then my word to describe this half was predictable. I mean, it's not somehow we're still in the game, even with those two nasty turnovers. And so I thought we knew it was going to be ugly, right. With the COVID guys being out and all that chaos happening. But I didn't think we'd get blown out necessarily because I mean, the defense is pretty much still completely there and we've seen what this offense can do when they don't make huge mistakes. And yeah, I would say predictable because 
I would love to be winning, but at the same time, I can't. I would say that I was being dumb if I didn't think I expected a couple turnovers. You know, if we expanded from a word to a phrase for the first half, I'd probably go with it could have been worse. And I don't always like being in that place because on one hand, with the fourth string quarterback, you need to be realistic about expectations. On the other, Isaac, you hit it with the defense basically remaining intact, and yet the defense is kind of what they are. And I said in the podcast on Wednesday that my fear, Trevor, was that this would be one of those games where you kind of get lulled to sleep. And I'm, I'm getting that sense now early in the third quarter as Purdue is already on the Illinois 30-yard line two minutes into it. That you kind of get lulled into this false sense of it's a ball game and then you just have the other team eventually just whittle away and put it about a 3-4 possession game. And it looks like Purdue now the Illinois 15-yard line. That may be a track this could go on. It's a ball game, but it's, it's again one of those ball games that at least I'm all too familiar with in the Lovey Smith era, where it requires like six specific things on your side to happen in order for you to win the game. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm just very fatigued. And, and Robert Eli and I tweeted uh, in the first half something along the lines of, "Last year we got like 20 out of 23 turnovers to go our way, and that was lucky. And this year it feels like we're 0 for 4 already because of plays being blown dead or not being blown dead. And I, I agree with him, but then it's just one of those things where it's like, what does that say macro? You know what I mean? Like, if if last year was as lucky as it gets, and it's very possible that the turnovers could just not go your way this year, like, what does that mean? Yeah, why, to, why are we so reliant on that? It's just so yeah. frustrating. To, to that point, we welcome on Harry Black. Harry, uh, I understand you were eating chicken and then you took a shower, so welcome. And secondly, you have been the proponent, and Harry's still muted. I don't know if he's actually here, here or not. And if Harry doesn't take it, I'll throw it to you guys. But how turnovers are great. But a common refrain that Harry has had, and, and I think we've all really experienced this firsthand as Illini fans, is that a defense is only as good as how many three and outs they get. A defense is only as good as how quickly they can get off the field as Purdue scores the touchdown here. It looks like, uh, depending on the marker, unless they mark him out at the three. Okay. I think he was out of bounds at the three. Uh, Harry, are you there yet, or are you still eating chicken? I think he's still eating chicken. Carp, when I, <laughs> muted, uh, when, I, when I muted on the Zoom, it said that the host is not allowing you to unmute, so See, I don't is, even come back. Here's what happens. So is, maybe, maybe he's on mute. Let me unmute him here, and we'll see. Maybe we'll hear the sound of him smacking his lips with chicken. Or in the shower. Yeah, I was trying to unmute myself a couple times there, and I even just texted you. Thank goodness Trevor can read my mind. (laughs) Because it was was saying the host does not let – I thought you were playing a practical joke. No, I wouldn't. Like, oh, why doesn't Harry want to say anything? (laughs) He must be at a loss for words or something. Now, here's what happens is when I do the – this is my teacher account on Zoom because I can have unlimited uh, meeting time. So you might notice that my name is not Mike, it's Mr. Carpenter. So you guys don't need to call me that. But I I do this because when the kids come in, if they have the ability to unmute themselves, it is chaos. (laughs) Absolute chaos. So uh, Harry, you you have been uh, this refrain that you've been pushing here. It's second and goal, at least on my TV. It looks like something may have happened, though, according to Isaac. Oh, my God. Lovey ball. Somehow Purdue just fumbles it right into Illinois' hands, and Illinois will have a 99-yard drive upcoming. They get at the one-yard line. Picked, should he have picked that up in the end zone? Wouldn't we have got it on the 25? Ooh. Yeah, you know, I guess if the ball's out, you just kind of take it wherever yeah. you get it. That would, have been, that would have been next level thinking right there. So, Harry, I was about to ask you this just before Illinois gets a turnover, and as you were muted and unable to unmute yourself, but 
Okay, so the defense so far, it's been good news, bad news. They have gotten a couple of stops, but they have only forced two incompletions so far. And when Purdue doesn't get in their own way, they're moving the ball pretty much at will. So I I don't know. Have you seen anything so far this year to indicate that the defense is more capable of getting stops than they were the year before or in year three? Or does it look like kind of the same old thing where they are going to be reliant on takeaways the entire year? Oh, I mean, we have a very small sample size, but based on last week, the kind the game started off somewhat promising on the drives that you weren't giving them the ball inside your own territory in that it looked like you were able to stop them. They weren't gashing you for big runs. And then out the gate this week against Purdue, I think I, I heard, um, I believe I heard Martin O'Donnell say that they didn't have a second down on their first drive, Correct. which I didn't think was possible unless you have like a first play of the game, nine or like 80 yard touchdown. But, you know, apparently we let that happen. But since then, from what I've been able to grasp, um, is that it, you've, every time you kind of get yourself back into a situation to make it a game, they um, they kind of imposed their will on you, but you were able to stop the bleeding somewhat at the end of the second quarter there. I think the defense has kind of we, – we've seen – bet it, it's certainly a far cry from what it was at the beginning of last year when the only stops you were getting against Nebraska were turnovers and you give up like 700 yards. I think it's um, it's gotten a little bit better now. You're having a – I mean, obviously you still have the turnovers and – I mean, we're basically just going to have to accept the fact that with this defense, you're going to need a certain amount of turnovers to keep yourselves in a game against any team in this conference. Um, but I do think I've, I've, you've seen kind of enough in instances that they can get stops. Um, although I would like to see them not have Purdue go down the field. Like, it feels like you haven't really stopped them from marching down the field that often this game. They are stopping themselves more often than you're stopping them. And this is the sign of just an okay Purdue team. That's what they are. They're okay. They got some playmakers. I think Brahm is a, a decent enough coach. But you see the talent level. It's about on par with both of these teams. These are middle to bottom level Big Ten teams in terms of just talent alone. So that's why this game, I think can remain close. I mean, we're seeing here right now, Purdue's not taking the opportunity to go down there and go up two possessions and if not put the game away, at least take control of it. I will say this for the defense though. And, you know, Isaac, we were texting in the group thread and I I mentioned how badly they bite on play action. That seems to be a recurring thing. But when it's not play action and the opposing team runs the ball, the run defense isn't bad. I'd have to look at the actual stats, but when I see the opposing team decide they're just going to run it between the tackles, I think, well, we got... We got to get a jail free card because that's one of the few things that we are actually serviceable against. Yeah, I think something like in the first half, you let up 56 rushing yards, which I mean, 100 yards. You'll take it. Given given up rushing. Yeah, you'll for sure take it, especially considering what we're used to the past few years. The thing that is just so frustrating is it's the DBs. And these are the guys that we've heard a lot about, you know, um, Nate Hobbs, Tony Adams. We've heard buzz from possible possibly uh playing at the next level and you still have these wide open gaps so i don't know if if lovey's i mean we've talked about it now for probably three or four straight years about if the tampa two is the right thing to do or i personally just think you need lovey's defense needs those insanely good cornerbacks and safeties who can cover the flat and somehow get deep enough to cover a wide open guy behind them and a safety that can just sprint all over the field. So when you have guys like Witherspoon who don't really have a lot of game 
game time experience. And then even Sidney Brown, he's a big hitter, but for some reason he's missing reads and things like that. The DBs are really the thing that have been killing you the past two games. I mean, these both these quarterbacks are solid, but O'Connell and Graham Mertz aren't going in the first round of the NFL draft. And yet you've held them to two completions total. Uh, so somehow the rushing defense has really stood their ground, which is crazy because going into the season, we didn't know who was going to play defensive line. We thought we were going to have to really get into our bag in the back of these, some of these freshmen and get them, get them out there. So that's, that's probably the most frustrating thing for me. The first couple of weeks is just how inconsistent the DBs have been when those were your guys, man, that Lovey's had for the past few years. So yeah. the rush defense is somehow is somehow pretty uplifting. You know, I got to ask you as a follow-up here, Harry, by the way, just to kind of get a game reset, I'm at 10.50, uh, second and three for Illinois, and it's 17 to 10 Purdue right now in the third quarter. Harry, as a follow-up to that, you know, if there is an area of the defense that I would hope Uh-oh. could be, Uh-oh. oh boy, Uh-oh. I'll get to that in a second, Harry, is Purdue not quite a pick six, but it looks like they take it down to the two and a flag on Illinois. And that was a really bad pick thrown there by Coran Taylor. So I'll ask you this, Harry, even though it's somewhat irrelevant at this point as Purdue's about to get a break here. How correctable is it in terms of the secondary? The mistakes that we're seeing, is that schematic? Is that uh, a talent thing? I mean, what, what is it? And Because I, I think if a D-line isn't getting uh, pressure, then that just kind of speaks to the fact that D-line just probably isn't that good. But when I see the secondary blow coverages, I think, well, if they're just in the right place, then maybe they can shore it up. Harry, you there? Hmm. I must not have to unmute him again. Harry, you there? Damn you, Carl! <laughs> I swear to God, the, the switch here, the switch here does not say uh, that you can't. Here's what I'm going to do. I got an idea. I'm going to make you a co-host. In fact, I'm all going to make you actual co-host on Zoom, and that way you can mute and unmute to your heart's content. There's a little thing at the top that said, you have been named a co-host. There we go. And Isaac, I'm coming for you, too. There we go. There we Everybody's go. a co-host, as it should be. So, Harry, uh, how correctable is the secondary issues? Um, I mean, I mean, uh, I, full disclosure, obviously, you guys know me. I'm not a defensive mind. But if I were to guess, I would look at it and say, I mean, based on what we did last year, because like Isaac was saying, these were your guys. This was your bread and butter. You were making plays on defense with your uh, with your defensive backs towards the uh, or on the back half of the year. So I would imagine that you go into this year, you might have looked at it and said, we don't know what our situation is going to be on the defensive line. And we might even have to, you know, focus more so on that. I don't know if maybe they're putting more guys in the box. They're blitzing more. They're focusing more on stopping the run and saying, beat us through the air. Um, But I I would imagine that they're going to probably look at the film, at least from the first two weeks and say, okay, the run defense hasn't been a problem going forward. People are going to see, we can beat this team through the air. Hopefully that then leads to them kind of falling back into what they were doing last year. Although then I could definitely see us on the other side of things saying that, you know, you know, my goodness, the, the past defense is doing a lot better now, but how come we can't stop a nosebleed when they're running the ball? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, when you're in a situation like this, it's not like an easy fix. I feel like when you have one side of the, uh, of the defense that isn't producing well, it's kind of just on that side to just up their game. Because if you focus more of your resources on fixing that aspect, naturally, you know, 
if you're dropping more people in the coverage, then you're going to get gashed when you're, when they're trying to run the ball. If they're, um, if they're trying to stop the run more like they're doing now, then they're going to open up some holes in the passing defense. That's, that's my, that's my uh, outlook on what it is right now. And I mean, hopefully they kind of learn from what they've um, you know, the problems they've been having, because I mean, like you guys said today, I mean, running the ball 50 yards in the first half, you're Illinois. You'll take, take that. Them. Absolutely. But then, but then, wow. it's the, then it's the big hitters that, that are going to kill you. Uh, by the way, as we get the, the wow and the well-timed wow from Isaac, that was a touchdown for Purdue, at least on the field. We'll look at the replay, but it looked like Bell oh, did a get a foot down. Okay. So here's, here's the reset real quick here. And, and as I do this, guys, I'll get the uh, formalities out of the way. It is 847 to go in the third quarter. Purdue, after intercepting a pass from Coran Taylor, they take it in for a fairly easy drive there. And that started, Harry, actually, as you were talking about the secondary, it started off with a, I don't know, 18, 19-yard pass right in the middle of the field, which we've seen all too often today. So David Bell gets the touchdown. Purdue kicks the extra point. It is up, and it's good. 24-10. It is episode 127 of the 200 level, brought to you by DP Doe. Now, here's the great deal going on at DP Doe. Go online to dpdoe.com and use coupon code MIKE. M-I-K-E, in case you didn't know how to spell Mike. And you can get a $5 calzone or a $6 construction or premium zone. Now, you guys have firsthand experience with this. A premium or a construction zone is absolutely loaded with goodies. But a regular calzone from DP Doe for 5 bucks that's an amazing deal, too. It will fill you up, and best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. DPDoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby, online at 4th and Kirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order at 4th and Kirby.com. And also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. We'll be hitting those up uh, throughout the rest of this podcast. Um, but as we sit here, guys, with about midway through the third quarter, that was essentially... A Purdue touchdown that they didn't get because they fumbled on the one. Illinois gets the ball back and a penalty on Purdue, so they get all the way back up towards the 20-yard line. Then we throw a pick, and then now it's uh, another touchdown here for Purdue. So, I'm now done forgiving uh, Taylor's mistakes, by the way. I think he's hit like four now between fumbles and interceptions. Now I'm, I was, I was giving him four. He was at plus four with me, and now he's... Now he's squarely at, at zero. He can't do that anymore. Well, so that means that he's good in your book from now on. No, I'm just saying, like, as a freshman, or is he a freshman? He's a sophomore who's never seen sophomore eligibility before. wise. Maybe I was giving him a few giant mistakes to sort of like feel it out. He's had a few. (laughs) I feel like I can actually get mad. Yeah. Here's, here's the tricky thing and why I'm frustrated from the outset of this game. So I'm on a run and I decide I'm going to run by the stadium this morning just to like what soak in the game day atmosphere, I guess. I mean, you could hear the music coming out of the stadium, but that's about it. It was kind of eerie. It was kind of eerie. I'm not going to lie. And it's, it's a shame because it would have been an absolutely perfect day for tailgating and going to the game. But Right as I stopped, I decided I was going to just kind of walk along the south side of the stadium on Kirby Avenue, and I got my phone off the armband, and I'm checking Twitter to see if there's any updates about Brandon Peters and all that, and that is about when it came out, let's say 945, and then the list of all the contact tracing things, and I look at that list up and down, I'm like, God, that's a lot of guys, and that certainly sucks, but as we clarified in the text thread, you know, the defense is intact. The defense is healthy today. You got all the you got all your starters there and available for you, and yet you have been awful. Let's call it what it is. You've gotten some takeaways, but even with the takeaways, you've given up 21 points fairly easily to let's just call it a pedestrian Purdue offense. So whatever happens with the offense, Caleb Griffin gets a field goal. That's great. But whatever happens with all that, it's year five, and the defense is still garbage. 
So I just, I watch this and I want them to win so I can be interested going forward. But then the other part of it is, well, wait a second. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, we're just watching a pretty bad football team in year five. And my concern, Isaac, I guess would be the narrative will grow that, well, there are a lot of guys out. So therefore, this game doesn't really count. And I'm afraid that that might be enough for the decision makers to say, well, we don't really need to make a decision on Lovey Smith if, in fact, the wheels come off of this thing. But the thing that's so frustrating and I feel like makes that point invalid, but I mean, Josh Whitman and the top guys will probably disagree with me. Things like penalties and uh, some turnovers and things of that nature and effort, that has nothing to do with COVID. That has nothing to do with 2020. That is strictly you making mistakes. I mean, that missed handoff from Cron Taylor to Mike Epstein, like that, that's something you should not do even after one practice. I mean, that's so basic. And then a lot of these penalties roughing the passers, that is that has nothing to do with the coronavirus. That should 100% be in your brain. Um, and a lot of these missed coverages, these aren't freshmen who didn't have any time to get ready because of COVID. These are guys that are top of the notch. Like they are, they are our top DBs. And just things of that nature are what don't make sense. And now certain things, yeah, like if you have a bunch of starters out and the, like the offensive line lets up a bunch of sacks, like is that Lovey's fault because Kramer and um, the offensive line is messed up? Probably not, but penalties are definitely coaching. Big mistakes, turnovers, I think. Um, that can definitely be, definitely be tied to coaching. And also, side note, I just looked up for fun. Uh, O'Connell last week against Iowa was 31 for 50. He had three touchdowns, but two interceptions. So again, we're making a quarterback look like Peyton Manning, um, who really didn't have that great of a week last week. Um, but again, it's, it's just frustrating. I, I think Lovey Smith's going to be back. He's going to be back next year. I know Harry last week said, um, unless you really don't win or maybe win one game, Lovey's probably coming back, and I'm scared that that's where we're headed, guys. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, I, I don't want to jump the gun, but I do see what you're talking about there, Isaac. It goes beyond just, oh, well, we got some guys out. It goes into just basic functioning football team kind of stuff and to see these sort of, I'm not even going to say uncharacteristic mistakes. They're kind of characteristic of Lovey's teams now. And that blows my mind because I do recall when he was with the Bears, and I, I can't really speak for the Tampa years, but... You know, his teams, even if they went seven to nine or nine and seven, and nine and seven kind of became the norm, and that's why he got fired. It just wasn't quite good enough. They were pretty sound football teams. You know, he was maybe hamstrung by a lack of offensive talent, but they were sound football teams that were not making uh, unforced errors. And you see that in year five, and that's really kind of alarming. And I'm, I'm going to start with Trevor and then Harry here. Harry, you'll have the firsthand experience to uh, go back to this, but Trevor, does it feel to you like Lovey Smith's teams are more undisciplined, even going back to, I guess, the one cubit year, but the Beckman era and the Zook era? Th those teams had their issues, but I don't recall this sort of rampant you know, lack of discipline, that just shooting yourself in the foot over and over again. Yeah, there was, I, I don't know. There were so many things going on in the Beckman era that I can't sit here and say I'm for sure certain that there were less penalties then because there were some pretty stupid penalties then, whether it was sideline interference, Beckman falling down on the sideline five times a season <laughs> or, or something of that nature. But you're right. And, and you see it last week when you have essentially eight months to prepare for that game. 
I was talking with Lon, by the way, and I thought he made a good point that nobody brought up. He said, uh, essentially, they had eight months to prepare, and they didn't know who they were playing, but then eventually they knew they were playing Wisconsin, and then he said, well, at one point, they thought they were playing Ohio State for about three weeks there. Can you imagine what that would, effort would have looked like against Ohio State mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if that had been the opening game? Probably That's fair. Would have been, 82 to seven, but yeah, no, the penalties are a problem when you come out. I think early in this game, it went unnoticed and I kind of like just picking up on things that nobody seems to care or notice. There was an offside on a kickoff and it's like, well, that cannot happen. Why? Like how, how do you get an offside on on the opening kickoff of the game? It's just, it's stuff like that that just makes it all the more frustrating when things aren't going your way. And maybe a lot of teams have that. I'm sure Clemson has a stupid penalty once a game, but it sure does feel like there are a lot of shoot yourself in the foot moments from this team. Harry, I'm going to get back to uh, remember one tales of the Beckman era in a second, but uh, before I do just a quick game reset. So there was a second and 10 second and eight, something like that. Uh, Korean Taylor with a run that looked promising. He got tackled and there was a clear face mask that was not called. And the frustrating thing about that is literally the way he went down. The only way any player goes down in that motion as if their face mask is grabbed by the opponent. Regardless, it is a fourth and two. I'm going to call this real quick, Harry, and then get to you about the Beckman era, um, which, oddly enough, I look back fondly on as we sit here today uh, relative to this. Okay, so 14-13 on the play clock, 5-20 left in the third quarter. We might get a verbal reaction from Isaac or Trevor first. A run for Illinois is stuffed, and they do not convert on fourth down. Purdue gets a turnover on downs, naturally. Okay, so Harry, I mean, well, first two questions. The overall discipline of the Beckman teams, you can speak to that. But also, did you guys ever start a pool or anything like, oh, man, is Coach going to get another sideline interference today? Or, oh, man, is Coach going to get caught with the chew on the sideline again? Like, did did you guys know, despite liking him, of course, as your coach, were there certain things where you just kind of laughed at his foibles and his shenanigans? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, okay. Does, I mean the thing is, is once you get to college – you're not, um, you know, as much as these guys really are still, I mean, cause they are, they still are your superiors and they're the ones that are coaching you. Um, you know, you definitely notice their, their shortcomings as far as, you know, not even on the field stuff, but like, uh, with, with Beckman, he wasn't the most well-spoken and, you know, sometimes, <laughs> you know, the people on the team would point that out or make fun of that, especially like with the lasagna stuff. Sure. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of little stuff, it was all kind of all good-natured and, and good fun. Um, so, yeah, as far as that goes, that, that, was, that was pretty commonplace. I will – I do feel like I have to say, though, um, <laughs> Isaac, you said that some of the – what was it? The discipline things and the penalty things are not things that are fixed in practice or affected by COVID, and that's just wrong because – while you are in practice at the beginning of practice, everything's sloppy at the beginning of the year. Nothing is okay. Not even for the first week or two of training camp. You are literally spending all of training camp fixing that until maybe the week before your first game, which is when you start game planning then. So if you're taking, if you're taking that all away, I'm not, I mean, the undisciplined stuff that's going on now, if you're comparing it to last year and you're kind of putting it in a vacuum, that's one thing. But if you're saying you're throwing in COVID and you're throwing in all this stuff and the lack of preparation time, then the only thing that I would think really can't be excused is if you say there's a lack of effort. That's the only thing that I never am okay with. But if there's mental mistakes and there's problems with the handoff, especially with a fourth string quarterback who's never probably handed the ball off to this guy because he's busy handing off a Nerf football to the backup running back, then it's completely different. 
Uh, to that point, well, Isaac, do you care, do you care to retort? I I mean, granted, Harry does know better than me. I guess specifically more of the penalties and things I'm talking about, or the roughing the passers, or maybe some of those things that you should just be smarter than, or some of the late hit type things. Uh, but th- that's a valid point, 100%. I guess just maybe I'm more prone to get frustrated about it because this is what we've been dealing with 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 Lovey now for multiple years are the penalties and things like that. But I, I totally understand having the four-string quarterback handing off to the running back and causing a fumble. Unforced, unforced the- errors. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like the difference between – Clearly, you know, there's no intent, of course, behind Coran Taylor and, and a bad handoff, right? Like he's trying to do his best. He is being kind of thrown to the wolves here. But I think really it is the penalties on the defense. Um, the offensive line, I will say, they've played a pretty clean game. I, I don't think there's been any holdings or any anything really from them. Uh, so it really is back to the defense. And that's what's just kind of odd is that Lovey has assembled this group that he was pretty high on coming into the season. He was high on all the units, but I know this is his defense. He's got his name all over. He is the D coordinator. He's calling the plays now. And uh, that's where, you know, Harry, I think to your point, there are going to be more of those things early in the year for every team. It's just why do why do we have to still be at the bottom of the barrel. Why can't we why can't we be the team that oh we're uh, surprisingly clean this year? Like oh, it just good Lord. Oh, oh oh. Okay, well, I'm going to call this then Purdue. This is Horvath, Mike Allstott Jr. taking it across midfield and down to the Illinois 35. That was about a 25-30 yard run from their new number 40. They love that. <laughs> is really Mike Allstott Jr.? No, no, no. It's Horvath, but he he is sort of, he's got the Mike Allstott qualities. He's the uh, strong white running back wearing number 40. Not the fastest guy, but he's a bruiser. And you know, that's, Purdue fans are just like, oh my, you see, <laughs> this is what's amazing to me, guys. <clears throat> you look at Purdue football and their fortunes or lack thereof. And really, you know, Illinois should be every bit as good as Purdue any year. I mean, there's no reason why Purdue historically should have a better football program than you do. And yet, if you look at the last 20 years, we had to go back to 2010 for the last Illinois home win against Purdue as Nate Hobbs gets schooled. And we'll get a pass interference called on him, but it doesn't matter because Purdue caught it anyways down to the five. It's just, it's a comedy of errors to continually be in a point in the Big Ten West where Purdue is just better than you. And they have been for the last 20 years. You beat them in 2010. We talked about this. Mikel LaShore, Nathan Shieldhouse had a really efficient game. That's the last home win against these guys. And it's not as if the uh, Daryl Hazel, and who was the guy before him? Danny Hope. The Danny Hope and Daryl Hazel era was anything to write home about. And yet they've owned you. Owned you. You beat them once in the last decade. It's just, or twice, sorry. It's it's just, uh, I have no question to ask you guys as a follow-up there, but it just sucks. It is weird. I mean, that I because I, I, I was kind of thinking back on it, and you've had games against them in Champaign, and for the most part, they're not really even that close. No. I mean, 2014 was that ugly game, the orange out. Mm-hmm. Um, 20, 2016 was a game that I always remember as if we won that game, that would have been one of the most fun games I had ever been a part of. Chase Crouch came in, yeah. Yeah, because because I mean, for every for all the shortcomings Chase Crouch had in his tenure at Illinois, that game was fun. He looked really good in that game, probably just because he was running all around with his hair on fire. Malik Turner had a great catch. We had a two point conversion with guys dancing in the end zone. 
Um, it, we had the, the field goal at the end of regulation that he made three times and missed the fourth. I mean, it, it was it, from an outside looking in, it was a really fun game. But obviously, now that you lose that game, you look back on it as just, well, damn, that was not fun. I got a question for you guys. This is from Gary on Twitter. Five minutes ago, so this is in another secondary, just, you know, Sidney Brown with a pass interference as he dives at the legs of the receiver and trips him up. So now Purdue will get it from the one, it looks like. But uh, this is from Gary. He says, the secondary is bad because our QBs are bad, leads to bad practice habits. Is that um, is that possible, Harry? Does that, like, if, if they're in practice and the QB that they're facing isn't good to begin with, is that naturally going to hamper their performance on Saturdays against good quarterbacks? That's or is that tough. a stretch? That's tough. That's tough because you can make the same argument as like, okay, this uh, this team has a really good left tackle, so naturally they should have a really good uh, defensive end. But really, for the most part, the starters don't go up against each other, so the defensive backs are probably going up against. Uh, Matt Robinson or or Isaiah Williams or you know whoever the backup is. Well, there's um, the and, problem. And and yeah, and the backup cornerbacks. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Well, cool. Like, well, Which, that, by the way, we didn't see enough of Mr. Cool today. We did not. That that's that's how it is against uh, against most teams or with most teams. But the problem is when the talent level is higher, then naturally the practice level is going to be higher. Um, so that's where depth really comes into play. If your backups aren't that great then the practice reps that uh, Brandon Peters is going to have in seven on seven or, you know, and when he's uh, passing drills in, in live scrimmaging, it's they're just not naturally going to be as good because he's going to be hitting wide open receivers. That's not a great practice uh, or that's not great reps that you're getting in practice. All right. So here's the reset here, guys. One uh, thirty-five to go in the third Purdue with a fourth and goal from the one and they do not get the first down. We're going the other way. A turnover on downs for Purdue. They cannot put the game away. Uh, so, Trevor, how are you feeling? We, we are now 13 and a half minutes into this quarter, and what a weird quarter it's been. It feels like Purdue's probably scored three times. They've scored once. Once. So they're only at 14. You get another crack at it here. So, I don't know. Optimistic? Cautiously mm-hmm. so? <laughs> Purdue's got that thing right now, and I've seen it so many times with, with the other team facing Illinois where they don't seem to really care. <laughs> and I don't mean that they actually don't care, but, you know, it's fourth and goal from the one. You have a chance to go up essentially three scores instead of two, and they're like, yeah, screw it. We're just going to throw it. They don't even care that they didn't get it because they know that they're fine. Yeah, there could be that. There could be that element. It, it, it does seem as if uh, as this game goes on, it is it is going to let's say end up thirty one to seventeen, like I could totally see that being the final score or thirty five yeah. to or thirty one to thirteen, which certainly that doesn't look good, right? But I mean, but if not. You're telling me, let, yeah, go ahead, sorry, Joe. Sorry, no, I just let's say Illinois were to tie the game somehow. Are you really telling me that if it were twenty four twenty four with four minutes left, you'd have any confidence in the defense's ability to not let them in field goal range? Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this is I, I will say this this drive, I'm I'm interested, I'm invested in this drive coming up because it's sort of like the last gasp in my mind that you don't have yeah. 
an offense good enough to make that quick of a rally as you get into the fourth quarter. Um, but you do have one where if you can get a score here and you still got like, let's say by the time they get a touchdown, there's 12 minutes to go in regulation, then you're still in that territory where a big defensive play or something like that can can get you back to square. But um, we'll see when they get back. They're coming uh, back from a commercial here. Before they come back, just a reminder that the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones. Now, this is the good thing about that is, uh, let's see, Harry, you're, I think I might be getting a little feedback from Harry here. One sec there. Are we good? I'm, I'm not, I'm just kind of sitting here. Nope, you're good. You're good. Now we're good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, but before you, before you go any further, <laughs> yeah, I, wanted go to say this, I, just, I wanted to say this before just because I thought it was funny and it's stupid humor, but you guys will appreciate it because you like my stupid humor sometimes. Of course. You said, you said, um, uh, offer code Mike. You guys should know how to spell Mike. And I just thought, <laughs> <laughs> what if someone spells it M I Q U E? Oh my God. <laughs> This would be, yeah, that's why you never know, Harry. I mean, um, or MIC, like microphone for short. I, I could yeah, see that. Or, or, or like Henry, M Y. There we go, M Y K E. Perfect. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> Illinois in a first and 10 from their own one. It's like deja vu. I mean, we were just here about. Hey, we were talking about, um, we were talking about Indiana Jones, right? Mm -hmm. The second Indiana Jones movie is like oddly R rated and violent. You know what I'm talking about? Well, it was the reason Just, why they came up with PG-13 was Temple of Doom. So I, I read that in the Wikipedia article that it was one of the reasons why they felt we need to come up with a rating between PG and rated R. Now... I'll yeah, say this about people's heads off. I just heard an no. uh-oh from Isaac, and oh, good God, what happened? And that's a touchdown for Purdue. I, oh, uh, Trevor, I, okay, so uh, I'm the worst play-by-play -play guy ever, but here we go. Th third quarter, 54 seconds to go. Coran Taylor was getting brought to the ground, and as he did, he just lost the ball, and Purdue just walks it in for a touchdown. Now, Trevor, this would be mistake number – This we're like 9 or 10, and four of them are just catastrophic. So it is beyond a wash. This is probably – you know, and, yeah. and th this is what's frustrating. Again, it's not on him so much as it is how the hell in year five are we in a position where our quarterback room features an incredibly inconsistent Brandon Peters. Listen, if Brandon Peters is playing this game, do you guys feel exponentially better about Illinois' chances to win? Exponentially. I, feel like, I mean, without exponentially, but I mean, you got to assume that he's not turning the ball over five times, maybe once that or twice. Fair. That is fair. Um, but, he's but, also, but he's also, if I recall... Now, granted, um, I, I was listening to the game on the radio, but if I recall, on the scoring drive, the touchdown, uh, Taylor had a couple of runs, right? So you might take that away. But I, I think what would happen is instead of now it's 31 to 10, I think it would probably be like 20, 24 to – well, they've had two that really resulted. So maybe 17 to 10, 17 to 7, something like that. Yeah, I think it would have been Harry if he would have played <clears> – <throat> excuse me – kind of a sleepy game, and I think the reason is that with all the tape that is on Peters and what the Purdue defense was going to do, we, we saw the touchdown with Coran Taylor. We saw that touchdown drive, and we we're pretty excited, but I felt like, you know, he's kind of got a strike here in the first half before Purdue naturally makes their adjustments, and they figure it out, because any time you put someone out there for the first time, and there's not much tape on him, that's going to be advantage offense, or advantage for that quarterback that's standing out there the first I mean time. Taylor feels to me like A.J. Bush light. I don't know about you guys. It seems like what they're running with him is sort of what they ran with A.J. Bush that year. I mean, Carp, Car I do agree with you. 
that what does it say about your quarterback depth when you start struggling? But to be fair, I mean, we're on our fourth quarterback here. It's not like the backup has been struggling. I mean, we're one, two, three, now four into the quarterback room. I don't know any quarterback room where the fourth string quarterback is going to get the job done for you. I, I think, Isaac, you hit on it too, because this was one of the first thoughts I had when I saw that inactive list because of COVID and the contact tracing and stuff. And, and one of my first thoughts was, well, so much for resolution this year. you know. And I think that this purgatory that we continue to be in, where it's like, well, will they be good enough to extend Lovey, or will they be bad enough where you fire him? And instead, here we are, Isaac. We're just kind of toiling in obscurity. Like, there's just not much either here or well no i say that no there's plenty to indicate that this team is just outright bad but unfortunately there were plenty of excuses that if the athletic department needed to use those because they can't swing a buyout or something like that that they can they could say well hey we're on qb5 qb5 is span is in the game ladies and gentlemen 54 seconds to go in the third quarter why not i know trevor you said that earlier why the (laughs) hell not just throw them out there let's just see what happens let's get wild with it see what the kid can do harry Put him out there in space. See if the kid can make a play happen. (laughs) Well, first, we're going to take a timeout before the first place. This this is going to be one of those games, you know, where you have random games like the Purdue game a couple of years ago and everybody was hype. And then you're down like 42 to seven at halftime. And in (laughs) 10 years, we're going to be in 10 years. We're going to say, remember when we had our fifth string quarterback in and uh, the third quarter against Purdue and there was no fans at the game. Um, I didn't even know there was a fifth string quarterback. Well, I five, yeah, college I football, man. You got like 85 scholarship players per team, right? 85 scholarships. And I'm not one of them. Yeah. So let's <laughs> just throw that out there. I would have given it to you over Mr. Cool, Harry, for what it's worth. Oh, thank you. That's, that's nice of you. Now, I will say that. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> okay, Is so now Taylor we're underway. In? Oh, yeah, Taylor's back in. So maybe that was a miscommunication. Maybe Deuce Span hurt his ankle going out there for the first play. <laughs> what if he just decided, <laughs> like, like independently, he just decided to go out there himself? And they're like, what the hell is he doing out there? Or, no, no, no. He goes out there. He's like, eh, eh nah, never mind. He asks to go out there, and the guys are like, what are you, insane? You think we're going to put our fifth string quarterback in there? No way. Get back out there, Coran Taylor. <laughs> he just fumbled uh, again. No, <laughs> no. He was down, wasn't he? Okay, was he? I don't know. Tell me, Isaac. Come on, man. What's what's the record? <laughs> They're calling for, down. They're calling what, down. What's the record for turnovers by a single player? In, Rex Grossman uh, at some point in the 2006 season against Arizona. He's I think. down. He was down. Oh, I'm ahead of you guys. Yeah, he's he was. Down. Okay, so uh, here's the thing: is I'm guessing this clock is going to tick to the end of the third quarter. Uh, but you know, I I gotta admit, we're we're having fun. I'm glad we are. It's it's good to be able to talk to you guys during the game because if not, I would probably not be falling down a pit of despair. I've been down there far enough and I'm getting older that I'm getting better to avoid going into the depths. But this is going to be a long nine weeks. This is a bad team. We're bad. We're not functional. We don't do the little things right. We don't have, even for the defense that is fully intact, they... I know they've been put in a couple bad positions today, but when they're out there, even with the full field, Purdue's going down there with no problem at all. So it's just, I'm reaching this, what is the damn point? Like, what? why are we, why am I investing time? And I know why, because we do the podcast, we love Illinois sports, but why would the athletic department continue to invest in this? I mean, if you count the bad quarters, and, and the way I look at it is this, and last thing, and then Isaac, you go. If we count the bad quarters and then the good quarters, we did that last year and we still came up with more bad quarters than good. But in year five, it is just fatiguing. 
I am pooped. I am tired of watching Lovey Smith football. Isaac, sorry. No, the the thing too that's I mean, if I, I'm gonna dig deep and find some sort of positive, the rest of your schedule. I mean, Minnesota, you play next week, looked really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably should have won last night, but still. So I feel like the worst part is every week, I guess until we play like Ohio State, we're going to be like, well, there's a chance because the other team um, has lost some bad games or has not been up to what we thought they would be. But yeah, if you're just talking about quarters, I think of like an Iowa I bet Iowa football fans in the past 10 years could count on one hand how many horrible quarters they've had to watch. And then they could probably think of plenty of games where they were just competitive or, you know, made it close, even if they lost. But then Illinois, we can count on one hand in the Lovey Smith era. L- complete games that we weren't just in misery. It's probably... And most of them are just from last year, which was just a crazy fluky season. So it's going to be a long rest of the season and we're going to try to find positives, but no pun intended. Um, but it's going to be tough not having Brandon Peters for another 21 days. Uh, you know, what was, what was the pun? Yeah. What was I the said pun? We got to find positives like oh, uh, COVID positive. Oh, well done. You see that that's a Thank good you. pun because that takes us that that is requiring a little bit more than uh what was well I can't say a pun that I texted you guys earlier. I'll avoid that. But um Okay, so <laughs> Where's I, Luke I, Ford at? <laughs> that's a good question. I've not seen Luke Ford. I'm just sitting here eating chicken play. and wondering where Luke Ford is. Yeah, by the way, Carp, I can't believe you thought I was the one eating chicken. That was Trevor. Oh, that's right. My bad, my bad. You know, there's yeah. something really good. You can be really pensive when eating chicken. It's a good food to think to. I've, I've never you, considered it that way. Yeah, but yeah I, never, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I've never paired chicken with internal thought and questioning. I have a question <laughs> for you guys, actually. And Trevor may have the best response because he's currently with chicken. But... <laughs> I thought of <laughs> I thought of two things that you could put on post. Two things that I would love to be able to someday put on an Illinois football poster. And I understand that these are not the most, you know, go out and buy season tickets kind of catchphrases, but I got two of them for you and I want to get each of your thoughts on which one you like better. The first one is good enough. Meaning in this in this division full of, you know, just kind of some blah programs. You're good enough. Not even good. You're good enough. That's number one. Number two, and this goes a little bit more into the Iowa camp, uh, like Isaac was referring to, consistently competent. All right? Imagine. (laughs) Imagine you get to the point where your tagline as a program is consistently competent. So I ask you guys, which one would you be most looking, or or which one do you think is most likely for a program like Illinois to get to? Good enough or consistently competent? What do you think, Trevor? First of all, any marketing director who comes up with that should be immediately fired. Probably so. (laughs) For the the official (laughs) sign up for tickets, good enough. Yeah. Join yeah. the iPhone today. <laughs> and and it's like written in like gray, sad fonts like Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I like uh I like consistently competent more. Alliteration. Good enough. Good, en- alliteration good enough just feels feels 
I don't know. It, it feels more sad than consistently competent. There is a sadness to it. Yeah. But you know what's so sad is if they could just simply actually be good enough. I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to not Whoops. go. Uh-oh. Whoops. Oh, it was no. just a sack. It wasn't a fumble this time. It's oh, all good. Okay, okay. Phew. Just a sack. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, yeah, just a sack. It's sad when I hear whoops and I immediately pivot to, oh, God, he fumbled again. But that was about a 10-yard loss on that sack, wasn't it? Good it's Lord. It's kind of sad that we're happy about a 10-yard sack where he held onto the ball. Yeah, we see it. We're like, oh, we'll take it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> my slogan would be whoops, by the way, if I were to put it on a poster. <laughs> whoops. Uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating, too, is that... Um, you know, as I, I watch the other, so like take last night's game, you know, Minnesota, Maryland, Mar- Minnesota's defense has got awful. Maryland is, it's, listen, Mike Loxley is going to get studs there, but he might not be all that good of a coach uh, going to his, his puzzling decision from what was it, the 42 yard line. And there was time to take a shot or something, like try to get a defensive pass interference and win the game in regulation and he chooses not to. But it's just, you look around the Big Ten, and other than Ohio State and Penn State, and I'll throw Wisconsin in there, and probably Iowa just because they continually win eight games a year, there's nothing holding Illinois back from just being okay, apart from the fact that if I go back in my life and you said, well, Carp, what's the biggest reason why Illinois football hasn't been good? It's very simple. You have never hired a coach that any other program has wanted to hire away from you. And the same cannot be said for basketball. Atlanta Hawks, we'll take Lon Kruger. Kansas, we'll take Bill Self. Hell, even Kansas State says, we'll take Bruce Weber. It might have sucked at, sucked at the end there, but he's still a pretty Akron. decent basketball coach. Akron, will take John Gross, right? So college <laughs> basketball, we have somehow turned into a little... <laughs> we, we, we got a coaching farm going on here. We continue to get these guys that go to other programs and actually do pretty well there, right? But then with football, it's the complete opposite of that. You, This is where college football coaches' careers go to die. Tim Beckman will never run another college football program. There's your slogan. We, oh my where God. college football programs <laughs> go to die. Where coaches go Boys. to die, yeah. I mean, where coaching careers go to die. And You think about Bill Cubitt. He's what? I think uh, Colin plays for a high school in Pennsylvania? Delaware. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think it's Delaware. But guys, I got to head over to work. It was great talking to you while we just completely collapsed and lost this game. <laughs> it was, Harry. And uh, depending on the game time next week, well, I think it's actually a 2.30 game, unfortunately, isn't hey. it? Well, it sounds like something good, Harry, so you might have be leaving on a high note as Illinois gets go. a touchdown. Daniel, a matter hey. baby. Well, Harry, ending on a high note, but we will talk to you soon, okay? All right, and actually, yeah, from from now on, uh, my schedule for the next month, I go on Saturdays at 6, so I oh. should be good for some games. Excellent. Sounds good, man. We will talk uh, probably next week then. All right, talk to you later. All right, that's Harry Black, of course. Cool. On Twitter, at Dr. B's, was it 70, 78? Right, that was his number back in college, Dr. B's 78. He doesn't tweet much, though. It was a, I thought it was Drew Brees for the that's longest I, time, and I didn't I understand why he was a Saints fan. <laughs> But, you know, I was thinking that as Illinois does get a touchdown here, there's 11.44 to go, and if you get a stop, then at least it's interesting. That's At this point, guys, I'm not even asking for good because we aren't going to get it. I'm just asking for interesting because there's not a lot else to do during this COVID pandemic. But I, that was really it. When, when I think about Illinois football and its futility, sometimes just keep it simple. The hires have not been good. And we can say, well, if it... you've tra-, And I know Lon has said this, and I, I get where he's coming from. He says, well, if Levy doesn't work, then really... God, who is going to work? But, you know, there was enough to indicate that Lovey's best days may have been behind him. And as much as I was on board with the hire, it's just another in a long line of bad hires from Lou Tepper to Ron Turner to 
Ron Zook, who was the best of the lot and still not all that great of a coach. He's not coaching anywhere now as a head coach. It's just a long line of not very good. So there's your answer. There, there's a reason Illinois football stunk your entire lives, and for most of mine, bad coaches. That's it. Yeah. And I no, I don't I, disagree with any of that. I was just gonna say when Lovey got hired when I was a senior in high school, and I I thought it was awesome. I was like, well, we got pumped. this huge, we got this huge NFL guy. And then I specifically remember when I started interning at the radio station last summer and kind of breaking it down more with Jeremy and Austin and those guys. And you look back to what, like what was so attractive about Lovey besides his name when we brought him in? I mean, he never really had success at the college level. A lot of the kids he was going to be recruiting had no ties to when Lovey Smith was a solid coach in the NFL. Recruiting is huge in college. We found out Lovey had no, prior success recruiting big-time college athletes. And, again, we've just seen the difference in coaching NFL and college is huge. I mean, Nick Saban, the best college coach of all time, couldn't make it in the NFL. And then you have a lot like a lot of guys that try to come down, and they can't do it either. So looking back on it, and, again, I'm not just trying to wallow in the depths right now because we're losing to Purdue here in year five or whatever, but – Looking back on it, it it was more of an interesting hire. Um, and to Lon's point, I do think there's got to be a solid coach out there, maybe in the MAC or one of these smaller conferences that has had long-term success and could easily do it here at University of Illinois. There is, and you know, I know PJ Fleck. We will see. I I I know he's a goofball, but as bad as they look so far, this as bad as the defense, I should say, looks so far this year. I don't think that's a fluke because I think in the Big Ten West, he's getting enough guys to consistently, at worst, do what like a Glenn Mason did, where they went 7-5 and five every year when they got a non-conference they can win, and then the Big Ten, they're just okay. I think that's probably the basement for a guy like P.J. Fleck. And if you could just raise that basement for Illinois, knowing that in a normal year, yeah, they probably would have started 3-0 in the non-conference, but the way we're seeing them play against Big Ten competition, who's to say they would have gone 4-8 and eight overall? You know, like this is not something where I would have said, you know, if they would have had those non-conference games, they work out all the kinks and then they would have been OK in the Big Ten. I I don't buy that with as bad as they've looked so far and as really as bad as they've looked in these five years. So eventually, you know, we got the tape. We know the patterns. Eventually, like we can we look for these little nuggets, like the fact that I got kind of mildly excited about getting this game within two scores. When it's Purdue, we are not talking about a top 25 caliber team. This is Purdue without its best player. And they're just better. They're better. And I don't know necessarily if the talent level or there's, or I should say, I don't know if there's that much of a talent discrepancy. I think it's fairly even. And yet it just goes to show the um, importance of a coaching staff and an identity and a system that works. And we don't have any of those things. Something that might make Illinois fans feel a little bit better um, at this point, oh, okay. Is Dino Dino yeah. <laughs> Dino Babers? Yes, the guy that's at Syracuse. We were thinking about hiring. Syracuse is one in five this year, and they're down thirty-eight-seven to Wake Forest. Yeah, right now. So, um, I guess somehow it, it maybe it could have been worse, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to look at the future, Lovey Smith, and think even if something happens and we turn around this year, like where's the future? I don't know. I it's just not the recruiting. The yeah, it's not coming from the yeah. recruiting trail. And I think that 
you know, to that point in terms of, you know, Dino Babers, that was that was my guy. I was like, well, that's a no brainer. He's going to come in here. He already did well at EIU. He did well at Bowling Green, another Midwestern school. And that would translate. And at least he had an identity. But you're right, Isaac. I mean, that's the thing. We could have hired him. And that was my guy. And then, well, he could have sucked here, too, just like he's sucking now at Syracuse. And so there is certainly an amount of luck. I think it's just all the more frustrating, Trevor, when you look at, okay, Rutgers, they can just say, well, we're going to go with the retread, Greg Schiano, And at least through one game, they look like a functional football team again. Or the fact that, you know, Mike Loxley may or may not work at Maryland, but they know him. He's a proven commodity out there, and he's going to bring in studs. So, again, these guys all bring in an identity, and our guy's identity, defense, is so piss poor that we are essentially rendered no identity at all. And you could say takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. Well, it doesn't matter if you're giving up 31 points this easily to Aiden O'Connell. No offense to no offense to him, of course. But you hey, know, Aiden sounds like a nice young man. He is <laughs> probably a very nice young fella. But it is weird. First of all, it, I feel like it's got to be the most awkward thing in the world to hire back a coach that you once fired in mm-hmm. terms of Greg Chiano. And I know it was probably a different regime, but several schools have done that. I think DePaul did it with basketball too, right? Where they hired back Dave Lado the guy they fired like six years ago. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's gotta be such a strange dynamic when you mention that, but to, to your point, I don't, the, the lovey name certainly helped early on, right? Like sold some I t-shirts. the day he was hired, definitely <laughs> sold some t-shirts. I mean, the day he was hired though, like, I, I mean, all jokes aside though, I mean, it was a top story on around the horn. Yep. PTI Marty Smith came here and did like an E60 with him. So, I, I, and look, I'm not saying this five years as we sit here toiling in, in despair against Purdue was worth it because Marty Smith came here first. I was just going to, I, I know <laughs> there was something so, uh, so specific about hell. Marty Smith came here for an E60 spot. <laughs> it's like, Oh, he did what? What Marty Smith. But I just mean, if though. you hire Dino Babers, nobody comes here. Mm-hmm. Like nobody cares. And, but instead it was the leading story for a day. And again, I'm not saying <laughs> five years has been worth it for the one day, but I mean, he, he got a brand new facility. What, what was it? A hundred million dollars or whatever. I don't think maybe that's conjecture. I don't know if we're raising a hundred million dollars. If Lovey Smith's not the coach, at least early on. And again, I still don't think it's worth it, but I think there was some at least value in the name for a year or two, but that honeymoon is, is, is long since over. Uh, as you say that Owen Carney gets a big sack. That was a really nice play from him. And he's, he is showing something along with Perry in the defensive line. I would say the defensive line you could be doing worse. I know that I know that opposing quarterbacks are kind of gashing you, um, so that might indicate that they're getting too much time. But overall, you know, the defensive line is about what I expected, if not slightly better. I had pretty low expectations for them. Um, to that point, you know, if, if this thing goes down the tubes, and I, I, I hope this isn't a, a depressing listen for people, I, I try to make sure to at least I hope my tone is not indicating that I'm going to like turn this game off and go wallow in sadness for the rest of the day. It's it, it, it it's getting the point guys where it's sort of like, Oh, they lost again. And then you just can quickly move on because we're so used to it. But I do wonder if this gets really bad. Are the donors that helped Josh uh, secure that funding to get lovey in the first place? Are they going to be able to help contribute to a buyout? Because that will be essential, you know, and it's a conversation I think worth having now because it's difficult to look at this and think, well, listen, they sucked in the first two games, but they could just as easily turn this around and go five and four. No, that's not realistically right. going to happen. So with that in mind, if things do go off the rails, I think it's a fair conversation to have. What what does that look like? I mean, what has to happen for Josh Whitman to be able to make the move that he should ha- she should make if, in fact, the wheels well, go off? 
And don't forget, wasn't it last year after, what were you at that point, two and four after the Eastern Michigan loss and the Minnesota loss to start Big Ten play? Wasn't there some report that that the Illinois was was contacting Luke Fickle or Whitman yeah. was searching around or something? Now, I don't know how true that was or wasn't, but if there's any truth to that, I mean, you have to assume that, look, Josh Whitman speaks very politically correct. And he would never, ever, ever say anything publicly to indicate that he's considering a move. Yeah. But I also don't think he's dumb. And so I think if last year at any point he was at least thinking, okay, I need to at least do my due diligence and do some background research in case this thing goes off the rails, he's got to be thinking that again this year. Now, to your point financially, is it possible? I don't know. But I, he's not an idiot. And so I think he has to at least in the back of his mind think, okay, I got to start thinking about the next step here. Whether that actually happens this year, I don't know because of everything that's going on. Yeah, I know. And that's why, you know, in normal circumstances, it, it is frustrating because I think that the, my worst case scenario, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just getting tired as an Illini fan. You can go to the John Gross era for this. You can go to the day where they re-signed Bill Cubitt. And I know ultimately Bill Cubitt didn't come back for a second year, but far too many times we're being told by the decisions of our athletic department that, well, you just got to kind of accept this. And it's, it's not as if you, you guys or me or anyone in this, God knows the champagne Urbana sports media world is just, I mean, brutal. And I say that sarcastically, it's not like it's that cutthroat and that the DIA really are having their feet held to the fire here, but it's just asking something so modest from the football program, modest expectations. I don't need nine wins a year. I don't expect it. Uh, maybe, you know, I mean, and we joke around about the first guy to go seven and five consistently is going to get a statue. But I think most Illini fans would agree with that, which tells you that we all have modest expectations. We don't need anything that great here. Like I said, good enough. Or best case scenario for me is consistently competent. And uh, unfortunately, I've not yet experienced that as an Illini football fan. Yeah, growing up uh, with a bunch of Michigan to Michigan State friends that were uh, big fans of the school, you know, they would they would typically lose it when they were going eight and four, nine and three. And I'm sitting over here at two and ten like, hey, like share some of those wins with us. But I mean, seven and five sounds pretty nice. You're consistently making a bowl game. You might play some national televised games. Um, and then you, ha- if you just are competitive, that's the biggest thing for me. I know I've probably said that too much almost at this point no but no no. Like, I, but i think it's, it bears repeating yeah it's... yeah i mean we just want watchable football so like we're not saying win the big 10 west every year and and beat ohio state like we're saying compete oh, with wow. wisconsin oh i just heard an oh wow big... from trevor that was oh, no it was it was good oh was it good like really good it... solid mm. how did that land in his arms that was a, a duck throw right that was a nick Foles s throw but daniel barker comes down with it for about a what fifteen yard gain? All right, so Illinois is across to, midfield with uh, eight minutes to go, nine minutes to go. Sorry, Isaac, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, one thing I wanted to add to Trevor's point earlier about Josh Whitman not being dumb. It's kind of like Whitman's doubled down now on Lovey Smith right after the hire and everything. As Luke Ford, I guess, is playing today. Um, there we go. A catch for Luke Ford. Nice five yard reception. It's kind of like if a manager hires an employee. And then is really vouching for that employee to the owner of the company. And then the employee keeps messing up and not really changing. Eventually, the boss to the employee 
has to realize that like his butt is on the line as well from the donors and things like that. So Whitman has to realize like if he keeps doubling down on Lovey and nothing changes, it's really going to reflect on him as well because he's the ultimate decision maker in that scenario. It will. So, yeah, it will. And it won't, I think, because if there's one thing and even <clears throat> sorry, guys, even I say this as someone that is critical of of doubling down on Lovey Smith. And, you know, you could say, well, what, Carp, you wanted to fire him after year three? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're asking, yeah, I kind of did because I just didn't see the long term viability at that point but then you made a bowl game last year so i said well what the hell? of course you're going to bring him back for year five that <clears throat> that's only fair to do and that makes sense but i think with josh though to his credit and i think it comes from genuine place i would guess that his you know q rating with the alums and the donors is very high and that's because the guy can talk the talk and he's an alani himself and that's the kind of person that he won that position i think we're all willing and and just would you guys agree we're all willing to grant him Hey, listen, the lobby thing, we totally get it, but eh, it didn't work out. I think we're all willing to grant him that and say, okay, yeah, go make another hire. Like we would trust him to make an informed decision even even after this. Would that be fair? Well, he did hire Brad Underwood too. Mm-hmm. As, oh my gosh. Good lord. Okay. Jesus Christ. Jeez. Sorry. Well, uh, just to give the people what the Jesus Christ was for there, I think the flag is on <laughs> Illinois, I'm guessing. Lord forgive me. Oh. Oh, well, okay. So here's what happened. <laughs> uh, there was an offsides on Purdue. We just got bailed out. But what had happened before that on a fourth and five, Illinois had to go down two touchdowns. And the ball was snapped and Karan Taylor was not ready for it. And it hit him in the hands. And then he kind of scrambled around and threw it in no man's land. But no, it you wasn't offsides. Had he played to snap the ball? Because I think if you don't react, they allow him to jump back from the neutral zone, right? So that was the center. Make that was Kendrick Green making a smart play. Ooh. I just heard, heard a new, which and I hope is a good one. Okay, so Epstein running it now for about 13 yards down to the 12 with 7:36 to go. You get a score here, and then you know this could turn into kind of like that 2014 game that Harry was talking about—the crazy Chase Crouch, or that was that 2016. Lubby would have been the coach 2016, right? It Chase does Crouch. kind of feel like, yeah, uh, Crouch was his first year, and uh, Jeff George Jr. was somewhere in there, right? 2017? Jeff um, George Jr. would have started and beat Michigan State in 2016. That was the highlight of year one. That was just out of nowhere. That game. <laughs> um, to Trevor's point a little bit ago, why do I still feel like even if Purdue lets us score right here, they still – are just like so confident they're going to win. I don't know why. It's just just a really weird vibe at the game. Yeah, Maybe yeah. because there's no fans and because it's 2020, but it just still feels like they're not even getting upset, you know, that they're letting up big plays. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where they got the win in their pocket against Iowa, right? And, I mean, they should be feeling good about that because Iowa, even if they're off this year, they're still a pretty damn good program overall. So I think for Purdue, it's, you know, I thought coming into this game, and I know, Trevor, you tweeted some things to this effect, that it should be a situation where Illinois, for some weird thought in our minds, it's like it doesn't make sense and we can't really give you a reason why they're going to win, but it felt like Illinois could very, very easily win this game. Like just that's the way Big Ten football is sometimes. And Yeah, I just felt like there was an overreaction too to week one in several ways. Now, I'm not talking about Illinois. I think that was bad no matter what and no matter who you were playing, I don't care. It was bad. But overall, it just seemed like, to your point, Maybe an overreaction in the positive sense for Purdue. Maybe Iowa's not that great. It seemed like people were really lauding Rutgers, which 
good for them. But guys, they got seven turnovers against Michigan State in that game. Mm -hmm. And so it just seemed like I feel like this year more or less it's going to even out other than Ohio State is just going to be really freaking good. And so it just seemed like there was an overreaction on both sides in week one. And it just kind of felt like one of those games where Illinois was going to hang. But of course, that was before half the team got COVID. I'm going to do a quick little hey, reset here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Isaac. So I was just going to say Michigan State is yeah. up 20 to 17 and they have the ball uh, fourth quarter started. Yeah, this would be the this would be it for Jim Harbaugh. If he loses this game, I mean, because oh, yeah. he's, he he's not, he's not going to be named Rocky Lombardi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so real quick reset here. Of course, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. It's M I K E. Okay. So it's not M I Q U E, but it is the coupon code M I K E Mike $5 calzones. And listen on Halloween night when all the little, little rascals are coming and getting treat or trick or treating in your neighborhood. You just want to sit back with a nice drink and a big old stuffed calzone, $5 calzones. Is you guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> you guys know uh, from Stay experience, away. it is ridiculously a good price to get a $5 calzone from DP Doe and $6 construction of premium zones at dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby at 4thandkirby.com. I'm going to order, and I've been saying this for a week, but I'm going to do it actually after the game because basketball season is coming up, right? It's going to happen, is it? Well, let's just pretend Hopefully. it will. And there is a new blue crew neck uh, sweatshirt there with the orange Illinois script font that is just... It's classic. It's one of those things where you would think, why has this sweatshirt not been available forever? Well, 4th and Kirby, they're vintage-inspired Illini Apparel at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order. And stay for our major Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Uh, did our homeowners okay. in auto with him, and it was a Ooh. seamless seamless process at brianismyguy.com. And, and Brian, uh, sorry to cut that short, but I believe something good happened. Guys, could you help me out? I must be yeah, way behind here. Down, but... Now there's a flag. Uh oh. Okay, so this was a catch by Hightower, who's made some a few good plays in this game. Good ball. The flag is. You guys might be a few seconds ahead of me here, so hopefully it's not against Illinois. They're still discussing, so mm-hmm. uh, okay. they're going to really be discussing for you, Kirk. Okay. Yeah, the flag just. Uh, why does he? Just came can up. I? Why does he have to take his mask off to make the announcement? I can hear him just fine. <laughs> Especially like you aren't speaking anyone in the stadium, and we're picking it up well at home, so you don't need to enunciate that well. Right, just make the call. But like and... he has to take it off and tie it to his drawstring, and it's like, dude, just leave it on. I'm sure we can all hear you. It looks like it was after the touchdown, like an unnecessary okay. celebration or something like that. So the touchdown stands. Oh, good. Okay, well, we are going to have a one-score game here, regardless of the extra. Are they point. doing Big it whoop. to us again? Big whoop. Or are they meaning? Are they lulling us with another like, fake rally? I mean, we were texting about this like at halftime. We're like, okay, we're playing terrible, but we're down like one score, and now it's like, okay, I feel like the third quarter was just misery, and now we're down one score with a lot of time left. A lot of time and two timeouts. It's a shame that they use that one when Deuce Span randomly went in there a quarterback, but. What can you do? Caleb Griffin makes the extra point. It's a seven-point game. Uh, okay, so I really want an explanation on that. That's just so weird. He comes into the game, and he's just so confused. He calls a timeout, and then he's not in the game anymore. Here's what I picture. I picture at the uh, if Illinois loses, and it's because they get Purdue to one last play, but, oh, gosh, they're out of timeouts, and Purdue on a third and eight just QB kneels it, and that's it. They don't even have to punt it. And then <laughs> no. we're at, it, we, we got deuce spanned. It, it, it becomes a verb because we took a random timeout when deuce spanned, unbeknownst to anybody else on the sideline, decided that he was going to go out there and get a rep. I mean, what well, honestly, get- what what is the most logical explanation for what could have happened there? I'm Do trying think to think Rod that. Smith- 
Rod Smith maybe had his mask on and he was trying to call down onto the field who to put in the game. And it was just really muffled. So Lovey really didn't know if he was saying Deuce Span or um, I don't know. Somebody, yeah, somebody else. Yeah, Coran. Coran, um, Span. That would be my only guess. Any guys in the I, offense? It, it seemed like maybe they had a, like a, if I'm actually trying to get some reason, it seemed like maybe they had some kind of a, Aaron Bailey type gadget play for him, but then they didn't like what they saw, so they brought him back. <laughs> if that, out, dude, I, if that is the case, I will. I don't know. Well, I, what am I going to do? Listen, I, I know what this thing is by this point. You know, it is a one possession game. I'm happy about that, and I'm going to sound like crotchety carp for a second, but but lest we forget, okay. In the midst of this comeback, I know what's going to happen. And I always look for, I talk to Jeremy, and this is why Jeremy is a good voice of reason sometimes, but he acknowledges the the fan perspective I'm bringing with it on Mondays with Mike on the Illini Power Podcast. Uh, cheap plug there. But I I don't want this to be one of those things where, well, hey, what did you expect? You had a fourth-string quarterback. You played him close. Because what that does is it yeah. glosses over the other areas that they simply should just be better at. you know. But all that said, all that said, and turnovers. Yes, the turnovers. Your, to your point, though, Carp. I mean, but this entire era, what you just said is what the turnovers have done. You're down twenty-four to three, and then you lose thirty-one to twenty-four in these games, and you go, "Wow, that was you know seven points." You take away this here and that there, and that's a tie game. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but the more telling slash realistic portion of the game was the twenty-four to three, and then the pick six and the fumble that made it. 31 to 24 was the less telling portion of the game. You know what I mean? And, and it just feels like we've, we've had that so many times where it's like the, 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 the result of the game indicates something that for 58 minutes of the 60 minutes, I just did not see. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that's just it, right? Is we're seeing a good quarter here, right? I mean, by any measurement, it's a good quarter, but that is after we went through three quarters to be in this position in the first place. So why can't we just come out and just play a decent game? The prediction I made was I I thought this, if Illinois were to win this game, and of course this was under the assumption that Brandon Peters is going to start, that you would have your full complement of players. I thought, okay, uh, the defense, I could actually see them because it's not Wisconsin. I could see them holding Purdue to like 21 points as long as the offense stays on the field. And to the credit of Rod Smith and this offense, they have, for the most part, stayed on the field today. This is not going to be done their job. They have. And 24 points. There you go. Now, unfortunately, though, while they have scored 24 points, which is what I thought they do against Wisconsin, they took points off their own board by turning the ball over as much as they did and also putting the defense in a rough spot. So it's it's like we're going to end this game and still not have 100% feel about what this defense is. We know what they aren't good at. We know that they are not good at defending the pass. Okay, so that's a big one. But yet, there are other things that they do where it's like, well, you know, if you were to ask me, Carp, what did you expect from the defense this year? I guess this is it, and I would have thought it was going to be complemented by a really good offense. Well, or sorry, not really good offense, but good enough. Back to that mantra. But instead, it's just we're gonna we're, we are heading into a result that is going to leave people puzzled and and kind of like wading through the muck to figure out what this team is. When I think the answer is still pretty simple. That's what this whole thing has been. I, I, that's why I hated the end of last year so much. You end up losing three in a row if you include the bowl game. And it's like, okay, so what the hell was that? What was and that? I just hated that we had so much ambiguity when we thought for, for a minute there, and it's easy to think it when you're in the middle of it, but you thought maybe you were like, 
reaching the peak. Like, okay, now we've turned it on. But then all this other stuff happens and it's like, maybe that was just a quick on and now we're back off and it's not really on. And so there's just so much ambiguity and I just hate ambiguity. I would rather, well, I don't know if that's true. It's not, I wouldn't rather go three and nine than five and seven and think, well, you just fixed that one game. But I also think we need to just learn to settle and ask for more. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's the good approach. And you're right. I, I even said on Wednesday that I don't, I don't want this thing to go oh and nine just so I get resolution but I'd like to have the confidence that this thing could go three or would that be okay? Oh, nine. But I'd like the confidence to know that if they went three and six and they look bad doing it, that a change will be made. But unfortunately, as an Illini fan, I think we've kind of been, you know, we've set these expectations up that if we're ever going to get what the program needs to happen to happen, that it needs to hit rock bottom in order to make that move. And I, I don't think that's a healthy way to run programs. Like you shouldn't have to wait until like it's so bad. And Ron Gunther did that to great detriment of that football program after Ron Turner went one and 11, two years after a sugar bowl. And he brought him back for another year inexplicably. Right. So, you know, all this time, Ron Zook, you know, the argument's been made. He should have kept him. I, I think the argument should have been, you get him the hell out of here when you go three and nine and you have a good stable of players and you bring in an actual coach, but no, Ron Gunther decided that we're going to go with the Band-Aid approach, and then we saw what that did. The recruiting fell off. You got a couple seven-win seasons, but then it tailed off dramatically by the time Beckman took over. And every time you bring in a new coach, you're having them inherit something that isn't all that great. It's not really going to be a good position for this guy coming in for Lovey Smith if it is, in fact, next year or the year after that, because you don't really have a stable of young talent that he's going to have to work with. It's been so patchwork that the guy's going to come in and have to really build it from scratch. And that's not a healthy program. Like, it's just we continue to just drag these things out. Not the opposite. We have not cut ties too early with any coach in Illinois football that I can think of. That's the scary thing is the scary thing is you'd rather like, okay, you have so many question marks with Lovey still because we see the potential, but then we'll do something, something miserable. Like Trevor was saying, lose those last three games. And then you're still like, what? So you'd almost rather like, if the lovey thing isn't going to go. work out, good sack. If the Carney's lovey thing had isn't really going to work, if the um, lovey Smith project isn't going to work out, you'd rather know for sure and get it over with and started on the new era as soon as possible. And again, I'm not saying lovey needs to completely be gone already, but like it's just those question marks that make it so frustrating. Like, who are we? Like, was last year a fluke, or are we good, or are we really bad? We just we don't know, and then we just don't want to have to wait forever and ever to get back to relevancy. So if the lovey thing isn't going to work out, then it'd be nice to just get it get it started as soon as possible. Well, you know what I'm going to do here, guys? Wow, with good return, too. With three minutes here, and here's a return, oh, by wow. the way. This is Navarro, correct? Up to, the, uh, up to yeah. midfield with 2.56 to go. So here's what I'm going to do, guys. We've had a lot of macro talk, and that's kind of where the 200 level is. You know, it's macro talk, but let's just settle in. For some good yeah. old play-by-play. You want me to pause? Can you guys way, pause? Like really pause for ahead. like? Yeah. Are we, I'm at 2:55, um, and they're doing the Papa John's pickup and delivery replay now. Okay, that's where I am. <laughs> just tell me, just Carp, tell us when the ball is snapped, and I'll pause it right before the ball. Is snapped, okay. Then I'll hit play when it's snapped. Okay. So you're pausing it at the point of snap, and I'm letting you know when they snap here, correct? Yep. Okay. All right. Cool. So they are zooming in, and they're going to snap. In right about now. Okay. Okay. First That's and right. ten. 
Karan Taylor finds Josh Matterbebe for a first down. We okay. got the first let's go of the day from Isaac Ambrose. That, that means good things are happening. Good things are happening. <laughs> two minutes left. By the let's way, Isaac, uh, Josh Whitman had a let's go tweet himself this morning. Yeah, he must be a big fan of the podcast, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I somehow doubt that. Uh, from 35, <laughs> first and 10, Karan Taylor with the handoff now. That's about a five-yard gain for Illinois to the 30. Okay. The clock continues to run. when he came in for a Tay and Jay interview once. I remember he said he tries to consume as much daily media as he can, and I thought, ooh. I wonder what he's listening to. For Tay and Jay or Tay and Carp? Uh, did he come in for Tay and Carp? He, he, he came in. He came in once or twice for Tay and Carp. But yeah, no, I I do okay, wonder how much he does. Uh, second and five here. Coran Taylor looking deep. There was a little bit of hold Ooh, action. Yes, so you think okay. pass interference or hold? We'll see here on the call. Um, you have to give Rod, Rod Smith credit though. I mean, we've got twenty-four points and what four turnovers? So. And I, you can't blame the turnovers really on Rod, so you got to give him credit. I hope this is pass interference because that that's a little more than hold. What do you think? Are they Was discussing it, it right though? now? I mean, I, I think that's catchable enough for the call. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that landed what? How many yards away from him? Probably about five. But where that where he was held? So it's two oh seven to go. Right. And uh, they, I don't have closed captioning on, so I can't tell. It's first and ten. But from, it's not. It's not a spot foul though, because it wasn't in the end zone. So it's just a fifteen-yard bump from the thirty. Not okay, we'll take it. One. We'll take it now. And I don't think that's all that bad because if you happen to score here, how much time do you want left on that clock? So first and ten True. for Illinois. Two timeouts left for both teams. Uh, Karan Taylor about to snap. Play clock is down to ten. I think we're on the same page here. Okay, shotgun snap. No handoff, fake handoff. Karan Taylor. Okay, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Throw it to Luke. Oh yeah, that, that that was puzzling. And honestly, I felt like he could have just ran it to the right there for about yeah. four yards. No the need three to. Options, he did the worst. No need to stop the clock either. All right, so uh, second and ten coming up for Illinois. This is where you think, okay, don't do this whole come all the way back. Like like I said, listen, macro concerns aside, I still want this to be an interesting year. I don't want them to go zero and nine. I'd prefer them to win some games so that next week I can look forward to, oh, wow, you're one and one. It's a bad Minnesota defense. Okay, so second and 10. 10 seconds on the uh, play clock, 2.02 left in the game. Shotgun snap here. The handoff, no, fake handoff, and this is almost intercepted. Okay. Man, oh, man. Why why are you forcing Karan Taylor to make, like, passing plays right now like just work with your bread and butter man. i know i know spread it get get, get him outside the pocket and just let things happen here uh okay yeah, so it's third and ten to Bay Bay. if you get into a fourth down situation do you kick the field goal and just hope that you get a stop no get i think i think you got to go because you got you got purdue deep anyways yeah. and you got two timeouts so i think you just gotta ride it out here now you're at a point right where okay so third and ten from the 15 snap to Karan taylor <clears throat> Low throw and incomplete oh to Barker. My. Throw it to Luke. And uh, I'm not really sure. You got to go here. But a puzzling, listen, you know, at the end of the day, first down, that was maybe a, a bad judgment on Coran Taylor. The second one, a little slant pattern that was damn near intercepted. Uh, it just seems like, okay, we're, we're turning this into four, essentially four straight passing plays when you didn't have to. And now you're in a fourth and 10 where you must pass. All right. You haven't gone to Bay Bay. And you just. Oh, my. Oh, no. 
Why are you getting out of bounds there? You got to well, stay. I, mean, I know he was trying to stay. In. He was trying to stay in, but oh. he was so far to the sideline. I'm not sure why you would even have that route to begin with. Mike Epstein tackled three yards short of the first down. That that guys just stupid. <sighs> Listen, for as good as Rod Smith has been today, I don't understand why you turn that from the 15 yard line into four yeah. consecutive pass as, plays. Okay. As a running back, too, I mean, I'm not some football savant, but as a running back, too, if if that route is supposed to be at five yards and you need 10, you always exaggerate it a little bit and push it closer to the first down line because what's the point of getting five yards? There's no you point. You always are going to want to run it at seven or eight so you can at least give yourself a chance. Boy, You're guys. Saran to do a lot, too. I mean, I, I, I'm with you on the play call. And again, yeah, I'm right. not. I'm trying to protect myself from from criticizing Coran too much, but then I'm also yeah. trying to not not criticize him at all. But still, I mean, first late game critical situation of his life, and you're asking him to pass it four straight times. That's just you know. Here's and none of them went to none of them went to Bebe either. Yeah. You got to get a stop. I mean, this is Captain Obvious here, but you got to get a stop with two timeouts and one fifty to go. I think one first down essentially ends this thing. So you need a stop. We'll see if Purdue if they don't. Th- Mind passing it because that's been their bread and butter. Horvath is stuffed at the line, so okay. you got so one stop. You do the math here. You stop it again at about one forty. If you get an, another running play that gets stopped, and then they run it down, you'd probably have like forty-seven seconds if you got the ball back. And and what I want to get into is that third and long where we see if Brom decides. Is he going to throw it for the first, or is he going to say, you know what, I don't trust this Illinois offense to march down and. 40 seconds on us. I'm going to just run it and let the clock go. I mean, he shouldn't trust either. He should trust his ability to uh, exploit the pass and trust Illinois' ability to not get a touchdown in 40 seconds. So I tell you what, guys. I mean, and you're right. I think that was a good point, um, Trevor, about Coran Taylor. I mean, for all intents and purposes to be thrown in there and not even, he was not the name starter. He came in there with the second possession of the game. He might have known he had a chance to play today, but to this extent, and you saw a lot of good things, and you saw, of course, the mistakes that you would expect from a first start. But overall, I think it was the play calling in that last set of downs that it just you turned him into a drop back passer four times in a row. Here is an interception. Oh, oh my God, oh, I thought it was an interception, guys. Oh, oh, oh. oh my good lord! And this is this is interesting here. So Purdue goes for the pass on second and eleven. It is tipped way yeah. high in the air. It hung up there for an eternity. It Stop felt like. The clock. Stop the clock, and now Purdue is forced to throw it again. No. Wow. I tell you what, that's a heads-up play by O'Connell, too. Yeah. He, he slapped it to the ground. He's a little hobbled maybe after that. But that we got a third a, and 11. Now you, now you have to throw it here, right, if you threw it on second down? I think so, unless they say, we'll run it and let Illinois just take their last time out. But I think you got to throw it. Dear you God, to, right? drop everyone. Yeah. Guard the first half. Well, it looks like they're what? Gonna take... does look like he's limping. Oh. Well, you know what's weird, guys? I got that weird nervous tick in my tummy. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> for, this, for this game, what is that about? This is kind of bringing me back to the basketball season when we were uh, doing all those close <laughs> yeah. games there at the end. But luckily, most of those went our way. So They did. And, and there was, you know, a, yeah, yeah, that's true. They're a little more at stake the than it felt like. This just feels like, a, but no, no, to your point, I mean, listen, if they get the win, they're one and one and Minnesota's coming to town. Like that's the long and short yeah, of it. And that's, I'd, I'd prefer that. I would much prefer that. The lingering feeling of, of, of what's going on here with the COVID protocols is that this is 21 days. So, I mean, this isn't this like, is your team. well, we had fun. We had fun with Coran for an afternoon and he looked okay. And maybe he's going to start for Illinois state. If he transfers like, no, like, 
like he's your this guy. This is now. what's going to be the team for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and and this is where it does get scary that there's tape on him now, and we saw Purdue make adjustments, but then we saw Coran make adjustments. So third and eleven, Purdue drops back to throw. They are going deep. It is a catch. Game over. Game over. Bell wow. with the catch, and that's Nate Hobbs. Player. And you know, Hobbs has been terrible. I yeah, need to yeah, see replay on how close he was or was not to David Bell, but uh, I, I don't know what you can do more there, guys. I, I would like to think that you'd say we're going to take away their best option on a third and 11 where they're going to throw it. I don't know why are you so tight on him up there when he needs 11 yards? What's the point of guarding like a two-yard close route? Like, uh, And that, that from the start, so- O'Connell looked nowhere else. That was oh the play. My so the game's over, I mean, essentially. I'm trying to temper it a little bit because I don't feel like necessarily Illinois would have scored, and even if they had, then you're going to overtime and stuff, but that still sucks. It does suck because I just wanted the chance for Coran to get the ball back and maybe go do something with it. And what what this shows is, you know, it's it's going to be one of those games where we say, well, <laughs> you know, the David Thiessens of the world will say, listen, that was a great comeback, and we, we got a lot to work with here. But there's just so many kinks and, and messy things that they still need to fix and, you know, at the end of the day in a nine-game season, every loss is kind of like amplified by, you know, 50%, you know, because you don't get that many more opportunities to make up for it. So this is an 0-2 start for a team that we figured they'd be 0-1, but you also would mark the Purdue game as if you're going to have any any semblance of a decent year, you got to win this game. And Purdue, yes, they're only going to win by seven points here, but at the end of the day, if you were asked, well, which team just looked better like it's Purdue and I know they had their starting quarterback and all that but they they did not have their top playmaker and their defense is what it is and yet they just kind of you know listen I know we came back in the fourth quarter but they just they're better and I'm tired of other teams being better does that make sense like I'm can we just in year five expect to be better than the occasional opponent once once and again I feel like last year too I kind of had that feeling in a few games like against Rutgers and against Purdue, we were pretty confident about last year. But then looking back on it the rest of the season, like, were you better than those teams or were you just like on a hot streak and they made mistakes? Um, and I'm not trying to completely disband like the whole Lovey era and how last year, last year was fun. I mean, we're not going to lie, but again, there's a handful of games. I mean, there's probably only three or four games in the Big Ten conference you've had with Lovey where you were like, okay, we are better than this team. And that's just not a good feeling to have. Tell you what, guys, at least we're in Michigan today because they yeah. might be <laughs> heading for the end of the Jim Harbaugh what's, what's era. What's going on there? They are yeah, about to – well, it's second and goal. I'm actually going to flip over to that here on my Hulu 6. Probably so uh, they did. They just scored? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 20, 27 Oh, my gosh. Holy mackerel. Well, I thought Michigan State was the worst team in the Big Ten. I did too. But, hey, you know, seven seven turnovers will make anyone look bad. I thought they were going Jeez. to really struggle in year one under Tucker. And then they're on the verge here pulling this off. And, uh, yeah, that, that'd be it for Harbaugh. And that's, that is something when they hired him, no-brainer. That was the only hire they could have made. And yet here they are uh, just not getting over that hump. And then this would be the ultimate salt in the wound. Would well, Harbaugh want to come to Illinois, you think? <laughs> I, I I imagine he goes to uh, – he ends up on what, Fox? No, I imagine he be, does the commentating thing for a bit, yeah. the studio gig like Purdue Urban Meyer. Is, Purdue is 10-2 and two against Illinois in its last 12 games. How? Wow. Yeah, guys, and keep in mind, that's not all Brom. That's Daryl Hazel and Danny Hope. Right. 
Right. Uh, well, let's just okay. So thirty-one twenty-four. It was what it was, which is to say that Illinois is just not very good. We saw some positive things from Cran Taylor. They made a valiant comeback. The defense, I will give them credit for in the second half. For the most part, they were bend, not break. But, uh, you know, this is just not what you need in a year five uh, team for any coach. And unfortunately, just the mental mistakes and far too many moments of just ineptitude, you know, it's it's just getting tiresome. I know what the narrative is going to be, and I'm trying to push. I try to push back against it from the start of the game. Do not let the fact that Brandon Peters is out distract you from the fact that this team should still be able to go out there and get the job done, or at least look functional. And that's why the conclusion of this game is is muddy enough where both sides will have an argument to say, "Boy, they still stink," and then another side could say, "Hey, you know, all things considered." They might yeah. actually win some games this year. Well, but Trevor, you hit it up right on the head. Brandon Peters is not coming back for three weeks. Uh, Cran Taylor is your guy. And this is the team we saw today is the team that will be out there for the next couple of weeks. So is that good enough to beat Minnesota guess, or win at Nebraska or at Rutgers? Sorry. I, I guess the silver lining is at least the next two weeks is not you're walking into the gauntlet. Like Isaac said, yeah. they, these yeah. are pretty much your last two weeks where – I don't know. You feel like you have a chance. I mean, after that, it's Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa, Northwestern. And I, I know Iowa doesn't look as good, but I wouldn't feel good about any of those games. So, I mean, I guess the, the optimist in you could say, well, and remember, the guys that are up for contact tracing are out next week, too, because it's 10 days. So yeah. wow. Isaiah Williams, who technically did not test positive, is not playing next week. And anyone else, James McCord, is not playing next week. And so, I mean, I guess you can look at it and go, okay, Minnesota, they're 0-2. But, man, I don't know. If I'm Minnesota right now, who's whooped Lovey's butt five out of six times, more or less, and and they're wounded, they're looking at that Illinois game as a get-right game for That's them. Right. And then, That's right. I mean, at that point, if you're 0-3, going to Rutgers, who, I don't know, they got Maryland, right? They could be 2-1. and <laughs> I don't know. I just, just – I don't find many scenarios or paths from this point forward with everything that's going on uh, to, to, to feel like there's a chance to turn this around quickly. Well, and you know what? We shouldn't, this is why it was fun to kind of go through that fourth quarter and see them come back just because the sports fan in us is always going to want that. But at the end of the day in year five, it isn't really about that. It's, it's, it's not about the one quarter where you think, Oh, okay. No, it's about, are we going, are we a program worth a crap or not? And we aren't. So, I mean, it's it, to me, it's cut and dry at this point. And it really is, is one of those things where I wish I could fast forward to December. And when the season's over and this team inevitably finishes three and six or two and seven, uh, which that's a possibility. Or, I mean, maybe worse. I, I think they're still going to get a couple wins somehow this year. But and then we're just, you know, is, is there going to be resolution or not? So I, I'm afraid, unfortunately, and I, I need to try to think of how can we as a podcast try to spice up the narratives a little bit when I think the one narrative is really, okay, is this going anywhere or is it not? And I think that answer is kind of there in front of us and all we can hold on to in the immediate future is each game. Well, will we be entertained? But apart from that, I don't think we're going to get the positive resolution of, Oh, they turned the corner or, Oh yes. You know, I know they were bad in the first two games, but now all of a sudden they're good. I, we aren't going to get that. So it's ho-hum another season for Illinois football that I think we're just becoming all too accustomed to. And with the future and the recruits, I mean, I guess we could focus on some of these younger guys that have played pretty well. Um, 
But if Lovey's not the answer, like, are these guys here in the next few years? I mean, you don't, you don't want to get your hopes up about some of these young guys. And then if Lovey leaves, I mean, that's just been a common trend the past few years when coaches leave guys are gone. So um, again, don't want to jump the gun on it, but sure. I, I think there's still, there's still some young guys that we can get excited about and focus on if they stay in the program. Um, but man, that's a, that's a kick kick where you don't want to be kicked when all these veterans are going to be out of here. Yeah. And I think too, Oh, go ahead. They did. They did. They did cover. It got to seven and a half or eight. (laughs) How high did it get to after the announcement of Brandon Peters? Did that go up to 10? Okay. They did cover, which is, it might be the first time in a while that they did that because they didn't against Northwestern for sure. They did not against California. They've actually been really good carpet. I think they're six and two in their last eight against the spread. No kidding. Okay. That, that mildly surprises me. Um, before we let you guys go, um, I don't know if I had a question or anything. I guess, you know, the the thing is I I don't want to become one of those redundant belabor the point types. And I think there's probably enough people out there that think that's exactly what I am. There was a guy that today when I just tweeted out, like, don't let all these inactives fool you. They need to come out and still look like a decent football team today. And the guy was like, man, you're, you're always angry. And it's like, am I like, I, I don't feel any anger or vitriol. It's just, it is a, a fatigue, you know? And I think to your point, Isaac, there is enough on this roster that my thought was, in hindsight, they should have got rid of Ron Zook in 2009 because the guy can come in and immediately has a core. And he can at least have some success the first year with what he has and then parlay that into recruiting success. My thing is kind of like a strike while the iron is hot, meaning don't wait until the roster is completely depleted to get rid of Lovey Smith. If you are going to get rid of him, get rid of him like now so a guy can come in with the pieces that are left and the guys that might return next year, you know, because of the weird eligibility stuff. And you could find your way to an okay 2021, and that gives coach after year one an opportunity to go out there and sell it to high school recruits. And I don't know. And maybe that's, maybe that it doesn't really play anymore in this new transfer environment, which actually does kind of work in Levy's favor. But I think that why wait, you know, essentially it's, it's this old adage that I think a Florida AD said after the Ron Zook firing, if a, if a firing needs to be made eventually, it should be done immediately. You know, like if you know, you're going to ultimately make that move, what are we waiting for to see what to be proven? What? It's almost like if you are, if you know you're about to go through a breakup or something like that, or if you have a bad feeling with your significant other, it's like, what's the point of waiting on you? Need to like rip, rip off the band aid. I th- essentially, I think that's what you're saying. So it yes. would be, yeah, rip off the band aid. It would be rough. It would be a weird vibe in champagne, you know, getting rid of lovey. But if you know, or you're at least you got a gut feeling that lovey is not the future and not the guy you want here in a few years, then you might just need to rip off the bandaid, get that buyout and um, continue looking elsewhere. Well, boys, uh, I think it's a two thirty game next Saturday, correct? It's mid afternoon. I like those. And we yeah. can two, and two teams feel <laughs> the excitement. Well, you know, and it, I'll be interested in the spread. I'm, I'm guessing it will probably be similar to what this Illinois Purdue one was where Minnesota is about a touchdown favorite um, just because of how bad their defense is. Sorry, Carp. I'm almost interested. I've also I'm also interested to see uh, what comes out this week. And I don't. I guess maybe nothing will come out because they don't release anything. But so far, two out of four Brandon Peters' roommates are either contact traced or have COVID. 
somehow they were in the quarterback meeting room with Robinson and Taylor, but those two didn't get COVID. It should be interesting to see with, with five key team players, if any more offensive linemen are contact traced or if any more players have it. And obviously I'm being a little crass. I hope they're okay first and foremost, but it should be interesting to see if, if, if anything further develops with that. Well, guys, get out there and enjoy this beautiful Saturday. It is a lovely Halloween. I wish we were in the lots. Um, I'm not celebrating, obviously, but just hanging out. Uh, but for the time being, this will do. I enjoy these Zoom conversations. We'll do it again next Saturday. And uh, sooner rather than later, yeah, we'll be able to. pooping their pants. Here. Yes, they yeah. are. Did they get the first? Did they call that? Or is he short on that one? I think he got it. They're going to I give it to I just realized we all right. We barely we didn't even make any Halloween puns or scary references. Now nah, we'll go we'll go time. with Perboo, uh, which I like. Yeah. Well done, Isaac. That was the Thanks, you know you. Isaac. Not as if you were uh, not as if you weren't already a a valuable member of the podcast. But if there was like an initiation <laughs> right to like to ascend to the highest levels of two hundred leveldom, it is making a pun like that. So when you sent that yeah. in, I was like, he's earned his stripes. You know, a just like Yankees tier. fans are like, oh, he's earned his pinstripes. Well, you've earned your your 200 level podcast. My, my stripes. pun stripe. My pun stripes. Oh, no pun <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. On that note. Well done. Well done. I'm guys. From the best. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll see you guys uh, next Saturday. Is that all right? Hey, let's do it. All right. Have a good week. Like and uh, not as if there's anything big going on this week or anything, but um, no. I'll talk I'll talk to you guys seven days from now, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to have... I'm on the fence about uh, Tuesday. I don't know which <laughs> way I'm going to go. It's just so difficult to decide. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to toss a coin. Are you like Ken Bone, the red the red sweater guy, the, the perpetual that's undecided right. voter, yeah. Trevor? Yeah. I hear yeah, you. That's me. Well, guys, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Hey, have a good week, guys. All right. We'll see, see you. Ya. All right. That was Trevor and Isaac Ambrose right there. And a fun conversation is always with those guys and Harry Black earlier for a game that, you know, had its moments, I guess, in the fourth quarter. But do not let the fake rally fool you. This thing is kind of what it is. It's not very good. And in year five, it needs to be better, despite what happened. And, you know, there, yeah, there's no anger. Like the Twitter guy said to me, you know, why are you so angry? I'm not angry. Just kind of just kind of tired. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sign off. we got about three minutes left in this Michigan State-Michigan game. I'll go watch it with Kara, the Michigan State alum, and see if uh, the Spartans can't hold on to this. And then watch some other college football today because it is nice to have it back, even though with the slew of inactives, it does make you wonder, oh, God, why are we doing this in the first place? All that said, though, we will be back next Saturday. And actually, before that, we will do a midweek podcast uh, at some point and – Get you ready for Illinois, Minnesota, and maybe there will be news in the Illinois basketball recruiting front with this tie tie guard, top 75 kid for top uh, 2021. That wouldn't be bad news. And I'm sure other things will break knowing the way that college football is trending in this COVID 19 year. There's going to be stories. So we will be back midweek to cover that. And of course, whatever happens Tuesday, kind of a big thing, right? Uh, in the meantime, though, DPDO, online at dpdo.com, use coupon code Mike. For $5 calzones. They deliver anywhere in Champaign Urbana. So, as you're settling in tonight for trick or treaters, you're sitting back with a drink, enjoying your Saturday evening. Why not get stuffed with some DP dough? Absolutely delicious. $5 calzones. Coupon code Mike at dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguide.com. Thanks to all the sponsors for all your support. We will be back midweek. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and have a happy Halloween. 
It is the 200 Club. Level.